Welcome to the Lab Rats Podcast. You are now entering the maze. All right, so today we have the privilege of talking with Emma Roman. She is the brains behind the Green at Home blog and the host of the Missing Pillar of Health podcast, both of which you can find in the show notes. Highly recommend you check those out. Uh, Emma has a really interesting career. She spent uh, a decade of her life as an environmental engineer in the green building industry, and now she's a mom of two and helps uh, other parents, uh, parents-to-be, and really anyone make healthier choices about the products we use in our homes and bodies. Uh, she has a really fantastic website, blog, uh, Facebook group, and now podcast where she helps people reduce toxin exposure in the home using a very rational, evidence-based approach. And uh, she does this in a way that is clear, concise, practical, and not overwhelming. Uh, we really love her approach to this. I think it fits very well with our podcast and what we're trying to do here, uh, trying to help people live healthier in a world with so much information and misinformation, uh, which is why we wanted to have her on. Not only does she have a background in environment, environmental engineering, but she also has a certificate in environmental health and has continued to further her education in this realm of science and health. So really looking forward to this conversation. I uh, hope you all enjoy it. Thank you for joining us, Emma. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for the conversation too. Yeah, yeah. Happy that you're here. So I think a good place to start out is your career. So you started as an environmental engineer, became a mom, then started this environmental health blog and podcast. Can you kind of walk us through that journey? Yeah, I never set out to be kind of obsessed with toxins, but um, I went to school for environmental engineering and didn't really know what I wanted to do at that school that I went to was pretty focused on water treatment. So I learned a lot about what we were putting into our water and what could not be removed from the treatment systems that I was learning how to design. And that got me thinking about my daily choices in a different way. So in university, I actually switched to green cleaners more from an environmental perspective than anything else. And um, through the co-op program there, I found my what would end up being my career in green buildings. And so after graduation, I started working as a green building consultant and did that for, yeah, over 10 years. I was a project manager. So really getting an understanding of how our indoor spaces affect, again, not only the environment, but also our health. And right. I had been using green products and continued the research that I had started kind of in university for my own life. Um, but it wasn't until I had my kids that I really kicked it into high gear and it mm -hmm. was yeah on my second maternity leave so i'm from canada so at that time we had a year of maternity leave so i was at home with my uh second kid and i started researching to find out if everything that i was doing actually mattered part of me wanted to find out that it didn't to be perfectly honest um right. but i i was doing a whole bunch of things because i had heard that they were good but i didn't really do a lot of deep dive into it like organic food and uh natural skincare products and that sort of thing so that launched me into creating green at home. Uh, as you can probably guess, I did not learn that I could go back to living normally. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, like once you once you learn about what um, what's around you or what you're putting in your putting in your body, we've had a similar experience with nutrition, especially. Uh, yeah, you can't really get it out of your head once you once you know it. No. Nope. Yeah. So Emma, you mentioned uh, like green products and how how you made the switch to using green products like what I guess could you just define what that is versus traditional cleaning or beauty products that people use what would what would green products be so that is a very good question because there isn't really a consistent definition um, and the standards and regulations out there also are not very consistent so when I talk about um, I'll use the term non-toxic products I need to figure out a really good, concise way of um, describing them because 
natural, organic. Uh, they don't really hit all the buttons necessarily. Some people say chemical free, which is a load of crap. Because right, because nothing chemicals, is chemical free. Nothing chemicals, is chemical yeah. free. And chemicals, chemicals make up the world. Exactly. Chemicals aren't the enemy here. Chemicals aren't bad. So there's lots of there are lots of misnomers. Um, but when I'm talking about uh, safer or non-toxic products versus conventional, it's products that use ingredients that are not known or suspected to cause long-term harm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know like organic, you, you mentioned organic and um, I don't know, like with food, like non-GMO, like people throw these labels on everything these days because people automatically associate it with health. But that's not necessarily true. Like just because it's organic doesn't mean it's it's good for you. There's still other toxins in there potentially that could cause harm down the road. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's really confusing. Unfortunately, like we do a lot of research and nutrition. It's very misleading in there. And it seems like with with beauty products and clean products, there's also that, that misleading side of things. Yeah. And nutrition, I don't know if you guys use the term, but there's a lot of health washing where brands will throw out words that make it sound oh, healthier yeah. than it is. Yeah. In my space, health washing is definitely a thing, but green washing is kind of the the term that I use to describe products that might be intentionally or maybe not, uh, maybe more subconsciously misleading consumers. So it's really, you know, we're at a time where there are so many options out there. It is a lot easier to be green and healthy and more non-toxic than it was when I first started. Like green cleaners, when I first started looking for them over 15 years ago, they were actually terrible. Like they didn't work. And so there's a reason why right. they have this reputation. But now there are so many, which is a blessing and a curse because you then have to sift through and figure out which ones actually hold up to the claims that they're making. Right. And that takes a lot of work and time and effort, you know, that and I think a lot of people, you know, aren't willing or don't have the time to sit down and figure it out, which is which is frustrating. But it sounds like what you're doing is kind of, I guess, it's kind of similar to what we're trying to do on the, the nutrition side is like really try to break it down. What does the evidence actually say? Let's break that down in a simple way and a applicable way, a practical yeah. way. Yeah, exactly. And so you mentioned on your your site, you know, about uh, you talk about environmental health for people that maybe that's where that's a new term. Can you kind of define that for us? Yeah. Environmental health looks at everything that's essentially external to our bodies. So our surrounding environment and the impact that it can have on our health. So traditionally, it looked at things like air quality and occupational exposures, but now it's also including the products that we put on our skin, that we breathe in from just being indoors every day, um, and also what we eat and drink. So it's looking at the everything really that surrounds us. And it's not just about looking at uh, chemicals or toxins that are going to have an immediate impact. I think that's one of the biggest areas of confusion with what it means to be toxic in this space. We're not looking at just things that are going to kill you. It's also looking at how we can reduce our exposure to things that have been shown to negatively impact our health. I I don't think our mission should just be not dead. I think we sh we deserve better than that. Right. And yeah, absolutely. A lot of what we're exposed to, unfortunately, gives us these underlying um, symptoms or conditions that degrade our quality of life. So I think that's really where environmental health plays. It's There is a mix of things that can cause more serious and immediate issues, but a lot of the risks and um, things to consider with environmental health are more of the long-term um, chronic illness side of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and those, those long-term things are like are tricky because things that impact us um, very quickly, like, you know, secondhand smoking or smoking, like we know that's going to impact you very quickly. But these other long-term things, it's very hard to do a study and factor for the other variables to determine it's only this specific toxin. Uh, and we find this nutrition studies a lot. It's very, very hard to find nutrition studies that are, are well done and done for long enough to where we get useful information from it. So 
I imagine that's same with, with toxins, that there's things that we know immediately are bad for us, but then there's these things that we don't know the long-term impacts. And unfortunately, it's, it's going to take years and years of research before we do uh, see ultimately how that impacts us. Well, and that's just it. And that's what a lot of the uh, contrarian uh, people out there who try to discredit the field of environmental health and toxins, that's kind of where they play, right? Because uh, we don't have a lot of scientific proof. I mean, you you will never have proof. Mm -hmm. um, right. But the evidence that has been building over the last several decades is 100% pointing in the direction that environmental toxins are one of the most easily preventable causes of chronic illness that we're experiencing right now. It's not the only cause, but it is definitely playing a role. And, you know, conventional medical associations are starting to acknowledge this and recognize it, but the the education isn't quite there yet. And right. the industry has such a strong hold in wanting to be able to maintain the status quo that it is very much so an uphill battle to get even the very solid scientific evidence that is mounting right now to get that into the um, kind of public domain and and everyone to understand and get on the same page that this matters. Right. I think even sometimes like the lack of knowledge about something is a red flag. Yes. Right. I mean, if there's something that we're being exposed to or eating, for instance, we talked about in one episode is natural flavors. You can pretty much put anything in natural flavors. There's very little regulations around it. Um, it's it's under a different regulation. It's under the flavoring. So that, you know, may, maybe there are things that won't cause a, a long term impact. But the fact that I don't really know what's in it, it's probably a red flag in and of itself. Yeah. And I think, you know, in North America, we operate, the regulatory system operates under the assumption that a uh, chemical or a product is safe until proven otherwise. And I think we need to be prescribing a lot more to the precautionary principle, which is how Europe tends to regulate things. A lot of people wonder why there are so many more banned ingredients in Europe than North America. We're all operating under the same body of evidence and the same level of science. It just North America versus Europe uh, interprets it differently and mm -hmm. relies on a different level of proof um, right. in order to ban something. So I think, uh, what's the phrase? Absence of evidence doesn't mean absence of harm or something like that. Yeah, There's, yeah. And I think that's something that we definitely need to be thinking about more carefully. So right now, like I feel like people, people realize that there are toxins outside of the home. I mean, with like the wildfire specifically, people are aware that the environment around us has toxins in it and we're so in different places. But I think most people probably are under the assumption that in their homes, they're safer and they think that it's clean within their homes and they're kind of hiding away from the environmental toxins. But it's not probably necessarily true. Um, and now we're really in our homes more than ever. And with winter around the corner, we know there's going to be an uptick in, in sickness, whether that is the common flu, the common cold, the flu, COVID. Um, and unfortunately, most of those sicknesses are, are spread by our own family within our own homes. Uh, homes often lack good airflow and the air in our homes aren't as clean probably as we think they are. So we kind of wanted to get into air quality, specifically like air quality in our homes. So what are some of the most common, I guess, toxins found indoor, like in our homes that people aren't aware of? Yeah. And I think wildfires aside, the air quality inside has actually been shown to be two to five times more polluted than outside air. Mm -hmm. And as we head into uh, cooler temperatures in places that are cooling down this time of year, we are now closing windows more. We're spending a lot more time inside. And so the air quality inside actually gets worse in winter. Um, and so the kinds of toxins that we're talking about, it ranges a lot. If you're in a new home, you're going to be uh, exposed to the construction materials that off-gas over time. 
um, daily operation of your home. It's your cleaning products, your body care products, also off gas into the air that you breathe. It's not just an exposure of what you're putting into your skin. And dust is a very surprising uh, source of exposure as well. And the other thing that is an interesting exposure, especially this time of year, is radon. Uh, it's something that not a lot of people think about, but it's this is kind of the time of year where I start encouraging people, if they haven't already, to get a radon test for their home because it's the second leading cause of lung cancer behind mm. cancer. Wow. Uh, behind smoking. Yeah. You don't hear people talk about that as much. I mean, I've heard it, you know, in passing, but you know, when we hear lung cancer, everyone thinks of smoking, but you don't hear the talk of radon as much. Yeah. It's uh I was surprised by it as well. Um, it's a gas that you won't smell it or see it. You don't know if it's there. It's naturally occurring. It's in um, our soils and our water. And if you're in a area that has high radon concentrations and you've got cracks in your foundation or um, just inlets for piping and plumbing and that sort of thing, that's where it can seep into your home. So the biggest risk is if you have a basement, especially if there's a dwelling area in the basement. And the only way to know if you have it is to test for it. Okay. Is there a way to test for, like, I know okay, radon, something that's commonly um, a potential toxin, obviously carbon monoxide. Is there, is there like a device or some way to get a collective understanding of just like the overall quality of the air in your home? There are. Um, they aren't overly reliable because it can tell you, okay, your VOC, VOC is volatile organic compounds. Okay. It will tell you, okay, your VOC levels are X or you've got formaldehyde or you've got this these different chemicals in your home, but it can't tell you where they're coming from. So you might know that there's a problem, but then you don't really know how to solve it. Mm -hmm. So... If you are dealing with um, really chronic health issues or allergies or asthma or those sorts of things, like depending on your symptoms, there's often things that you can pinpoint in your home. So I actually recommend just, you know what's in your, your home. And so understanding where the biggest sources of contaminants could be, as opposed to testing and then you have to go through that process anyways. So gotcha. okay. you don't necessarily sense. have to test for VOCs to know that you've got stuff in your home that's off-gassing. And whether or not you have symptoms, I still argue that we should all be reducing our exposure in the first right. place. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the things that we use, like body care or cleaning products, obviously get into the air as well. I mean, what... What's kind of one, you know, simple way that you recommend to people that are getting started in this, how to improve the air quality in their home? You know, maybe they don't they don't want to go through the hassle of, of testing everything, like you said. So how can you start to improve the air quality? Yeah, so there are two main strategies. One is to reduce the amount of toxins going in in the first place. And two is to help remove what you can't control. Because I think one of the big hurdles people have is, there is just so much you could do. Where do you start? And you're not going to be able to get rid of all of it. That is never the goal that I suggest people have because it's impossible. Mm -hmm. There will always be stuff that you can't control, whether it's built into your home, whether it's you don't have the money or the time to fix it, whatever the case might be. So reduce what you can and then help deal with what you can't. And so reducing what you can control, the easiest things you know, if you're not going to be remodeling and ripping things out, um, your cleaners, your personal care and your cleaning strategies, I guess, are kind of the three easiest places to start. And I think okay. when people are are starting to think about toxins, looking at your body care and cleaners, I really like starting there for a couple of reasons. Personal care, because all of the ingredients are on the label. And there are no other household products where that is required. And so it can help you start to exercise that label reading muscle, which is essential to help be a more informed consumer. Yeah. As you talk about with nutrition, it's the same thing. You need to know how to decode what manufacturers are telling you. And it can be a bit of a process up front, but 
once you practice it and you start actually looking at labels, it takes a lot less time. Like when I started, I would spend an extra hour in the grocery store and it was horrendous. Um, I don't have to do that anymore. Right, right. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a skill. And so it will, it will take time to hone, but that's why I like starting with those products because, and they're also used up fairly quickly. They're pretty low cost to replace. It's not like you're buying a whole new mattress or, right, or something that's right. a bit more expensive. Um, and it has a direct impact. The cleaning products that you use have been shown to uh, reduce the quality of air in your home for hours after you're using them, let alone what you're exposed to when you're using them. Wow. So, so um, it's not as simple as, okay, if you have a good air filter, then all these, you know, the things from your cleaners are going to get filtered out. So no need to worry. No. And that's, you know, a lot of people come to me asking about um, air purifiers. And my first question is, what are you doing to reduce what's going into your air in the first place? Because it's the same as our body's detoxification systems. Like your detoxification um, protocol starts with reducing your inputs. And then you can work on improving the efficiency of what's being removed. And so with air purifiers, if you're sticking that in a home that you're using um, Glade plugins and fabric softeners and a whole bunch of uh, scented personal care products, you're going to overload that purifier and it's going to burn out its um, or use up its uh, mm -hmm. absorption material very quickly. And you're just wasting your money because you're already exposed to the stuff as you're using it. So the first step is, is definitely to, um, reduce and then looking at, um, getting more fresh air through the space where possible. So, you know, when it's nice enough, you can open windows. Um, but having a high quality furnace filter, um, is, uh, kind of the next step. I generally only suggest air purifiers for people who have asthma or allergies or multiple chemical sensitivity or some, you know, more serious and immediate health issue that would um, could benefit from them. Or if you aren't too concerned about the cost and you just want to do it preventatively, but um, you do get what you pay for. Yeah. Too. So the the ones that are actually going to benefit you the most are going to be the ones that are more expensive. Yeah, I was interested in the like the HVAC filters. I know there's like different ratings on uh, the particles that they can pick up. So what I think it's like, I don't know if it's a MERV or M-E-R-V rating Murph, on yeah. those. Okay. So what is there a certain level that you'd recommend like a minimum level you'd recommend people have for their homes? Yeah, it kind of depends on what your uh, furnace is like because okay. the, so the higher the MERV rating a lot of actually residential filters don't necessarily have the MERV on it they'll have some of them have their own rating system I like Filtrate brand filters and they rate them by particle size in the name itself so it's a little okay. bit easier but kind of MERV uh 10 to 13 in commercial buildings MERV 13 was kind of what we were aiming for in home, looking at um, anything that is going to filter out uh, allergens and VOCs, like the smaller the particle it can filter out, the higher the MERV rating. So um, I think Filtrate's kind of top one is uh, there's a healthy living and there's an allergen defense, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so you can look on the filters and it'll say what it can remove. Um, and you want to make sure that you are replacing it and checking it regularly because, you know, they will trap all of the pet hair and dust and all of that stuff too. And if it is sitting in your furnace for too long, then it can actually make your furnace work harder because it's mm. trying to blow air through right. a very yeah. blocked filter. So, I mean, that might improve your air quality because... <laughs> <laughs> not, not much is getting, you know, the more stuff that's on there is going to keep filtering more out, but you're also not getting very much air into your home. Yeah, right. So that's good. Um, when you, if you increase your efficiency of filter, you might find that you need to be replacing it more regularly. Some people need to replace it every month, depending on if you've got oh, wow. pets or, or whatnot. Wow. Um, and if you're in a, 
shared space where um, tobacco smoke coming in is a concern, then you can look for um, smoke will be one of the things on the on the filter as well. So it kind of depends on what your situation is. Yeah, I, I have a golden retriever. So um, I try to replace mine every like three months, but I feel like it's probably needs to be more often than that with the amount of pet hair we have in our home. <laughs> Yeah, three months is kind of is the maximum, okay. and that's usually in homes that don't have pets. Okay, so um, it needs to be more more often. <laughs> I would look at it every month, and then you okay. can you can get into your into your rhythm. If you have construction outside, that will make a big difference. If you have construction yeah. inside, that will make a big difference. Okay, if you're in wildfire country, right? So it um, seasonally is kind of the, an easy reminder to at least check it. But if you can do it monthly, that is better. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, I, we have a, a neighborhood being built across the street as well. So we have construction, we have pet hair. So yeah, I'll have to up the um, up the amount of times we replace that in a year. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna cringe at this. So when I first moved into our townhome a few years ago, I think we went like a year, year and a half without changing mm -hmm. it. And somebody said to me, they like looked up like, are you going to change your air filter? You should probably get that change. And it was terrible. Now I'm better at it, but yeah, it's, it's like, easy to forget. I actually right. put a reminder in my calendar now. That's good. Yeah, me too. That's what I do. I do that with that and my water filter. Yeah. Um, so one thing, I don't know if you've done any research on this, but I've heard or read articles that plants can purify the air, detoxify the air. Is there any truth to that? Do you know? Have you read up on that? Yeah, and a lot of the articles going around are based on a NASA study, and um, they poorly extrapolate the results, shall we say. Okay. So, yep. you know, plants have lots of benefits. I think adding plants to your home can do a lot of great things. As In terms of air purifying, uh, not so much. They You would require pretty much greenhouse levels of greenery um, in order to get anywhere close to the levels that NASA had. And they don't actually know that it would work in a house because there's so many more inputs um, than in an enclosed space station where the study was done that the results, right. they, they're pretty sure that they wouldn't come anywhere close. So um, yeah, by all means, okay. get some plants, but don't <laughs> expect it to replace... Uh, other ways to reduce toxins in your air. So, so you mentioned clean, like the best first step is to basically transition to using better clean products, better beauty products. Uh, I guess starting with like clean products, what are, what are some of the number one, I guess, products specifically brands or ingredients to watch out for in terms of your household clean products like window cleaner or table cleaner? I think there are too many brands to watch out for to even try to list <laughs> because so the good thing is that because of public awareness and public pressure, more brands are trying to be clean, cleaner, pun mm -hmm. intended, I right. guess, yeah. <laughs> um, less toxic. However, going back to the greenwashing discussion, there are also a lot of brands that want us to think that they're hitting all of the bullet points, but they might not be. So the... Issue with cleaners, unlike body care, the ingredients don't have to be listed on labels. And so I this should be changing. There's regulations coming out kind of state by state. Often California will kind of lead the way for North America-wide regulations because when they set a bill, it's too expensive for products to make, make a product just for California and then have something mm. else for everywhere else. And so- okay. California is like its own country in terms of GDP, pretty yeah. much. So right. their their laws actually impact um, brands uh, in a bigger way. So hopefully this will be changing for cleaning products. But right now, ingredients don't need to be listed. Some brands will list partial ingredients or they'll use generic terms like non-ionic surfactant, but they won't actually tell you what ingredients they're using. So if they don't have a full ingredient listing, I don't buy it, um, okay. full stop. Sometimes they'll be on the website if they're not on the package. Um, and so that's kind of the next step that you can do. Um, the biggest issue with cleaning products 
fragrance and disinfectants, which I know is a hot button topic right now, <laughs> um, as well as some of the preservatives and cleaning agents can irritate respiratory systems. So they can um, contribute to asthma and allergies, especially in children, or they can make the symptoms worse in people that already have wow. the conditions. Which is like uh, the opposite of what we want right now. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so this is why it's so important to know what you're using in your home, because these ingredients end up in our air and we're breathing them as we're as we're using them. Yeah. So with uh, with cleaning products is the biggest thing. I know some things can get through your skin as well, but with like cleaning products specifically, is the issue primarily with us breathing in um, the uh, the air particles or the particles yeah. of the okay yeah. I mean, with like dish soap, if you're doing a lot of hand washing, some of that might be absorbed. And that's where um, it can get a bit tricky, too, because there are some brands that are generally considered green. Um, seventh generation is a big one. A lot of people really like their products, but there can be ingredients in them that are sensitizing. Um, and I'm picking on seventh gen because they use a preservative called methyl isothiazolinone. And it is, it was actually listed as the allergen of the year in, I forget what year, but by the contact dermatitis um, association. So wow. it doesn't cause everybody to react and it might be fine for you for months or years, but then all of a sudden trigger a reaction um, because it's a sensitizing ingredient. So, and, you know, again, it's not something that is going to really cause drastic harm, but it can cause um, skin irritations, which can cause other issues down the line. So that is an example of, you know, a brand that might be fine for some people until it's not. <laughs> so I think most cleaning products probably don't have ingredients in your average grocery store. I don't know what you guys have, have there, like with the Walmarts and Myers of here, but is there anything that you can buy in in your average grocery store that that you would recommend or that would be a cleaner alternative to something like you know windex or pledge so there are definitely better brands out there my favorite is a it's a canadian brand ecomax it's called okay. um you can get it on amazon a lot of people like branch basics down in the u.s and there, there are lots. There's a, there are a lot more products that are um, good on ingredients than the number that are good on ingredients and actually work really well. <laughs> so right. that's kind of the can be the tricky part. But the quality of of green cleaners, I would say, you know, like I said before, it's gone up a lot. And I think one of the issues that people have with switching is they think that because they don't smell like the conventional cleaners they're used to, that they aren't working mm -hmm. or that you might have to actually use a little bit more elbow grease that they're not working. Um, so mm. mindset plays into it a little bit in terms of rejigging what your um, expectations are for something to work. Something doesn't need to smell like fake lilacs to work. <laughs> right, that has nothing right. to do with its cleaning power. Um, and, you know, going into it, trusting that it will still it will still clean, even if it's not going to necessarily uh, smell or feel like the products you're used to. Right. And I imagine there's a I mean, there's a cost benefit to it. Maybe maybe it does take a little more scrubbing, a few a few extra seconds to, um, you know, to do what the other one does. But, you know, what's the cost of that or, or what's the you know, the benefit that you're getting from that is, I don't know, in my opinion, I guess it outweighs uh, the, the long term health effects it could be causing. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's something we need to think about a lot more is what the kind of life cycle cost of our our decisions are and it's not just about your immediate spend at the cash register or about the three seconds longer that it might take to to do something i think we all need to start making decisions more consciously and recognizing the the big picture and i use i i am not a DIYer. i'm it's just not my thing but mm -hmm. i actually make my own cleaning products um, oh, cool. and that's what I use to clean 
the majority of my house because they are super cheap. Um, they're easy. I make five products when I have all the ingredients. I can make them all in five minutes. Um, wow. And they work. That's pretty cool. So what, uh, like for your, uh, let's just say like all-purpose cleaner, what would, how would you make that yourself? Or wait, do you sell this? No. Oh, okay. I was going to nope. say we can uh, get a plug for it, but <laughs> no, someday. I don't have any branded products. <laughs> okay. Not yet. Anyways. Um, so I use is just Castile soap and water in a spray mm, bottle. Okay. Um, so Dr. Bronner's is the kind of biggest U.S. version. Green Beaver is a really great um, Canadian based brand that doesn't use palm oil. Dr. Bronner's uses palm oil. So some people want to avoid that. Um it's a very concentrated soap. And this is where a lot of people that start on the DIY cleaners think like they find recipes and it's pretty much just vinegar and baking soda. Mm -hmm. And that is for everything. The biggest thing that that's missing is soap. You need soap to lift dirt and whatnot. So that's why right. my all-purpose cleaner is not vinegar and water. It okay. actually has a soap. Yeah. So this is a whole topic on its own. I know you just did a podcast episode about this. I imagine when we say these brands, people are going to go look on Amazon. <laughs> so yeah. can you talk about the, uh, I guess, what to be aware of when you're when you're trying to buy things like this on Amazon? Yes. So I just did a podcast interview specific to children's products, but the same kind of rules apply. Amazon doesn't have very good control over the products that are listed on its platform. And there are certain products that are more likely than others to pose a risk of having counterfeits on the site. And the same goes for any kind of online marketplace. Um, so before you buy anything on Amazon, you really want to make sure you know who you're buying it from. So looking, if you're on the product page, looking at who the seller is, ideally it will be the same as the brand you're buying from because that's more likely to be coming from in, inside their own system. Um, things that are on uh, Amazon Prime or Amazon, uh, I forget what it's called, like their top recommended um, kind of oh, list. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those don't necessarily mean anything that they've gone through any additional vetting to make sure that they're legit or not. So don't worry about that. I would really focus on who the seller is and, you know, that the listing doesn't have obvious spelling mistakes and typos and that the brand imaging looks like the brand imaging on their website. Um, so just take a extra time to make sure that you're buying what you think you're buying um, when using that platform. Uh, I suggest avoiding it at all costs. I know it's not always possible for people who live in remote regions. A lot of us are doing online shopping now, especially. Um, so if you can get it straight from the manufacturer or your local grocery store, like up here, Ecomax is in our major grocery stores. So that's one reason why I like it too, because it's very easily accessible. Yeah. Um, so, you know, check out your, if you've got a health food store near you, or if there's a natural section of your um, local grocery store, Walmart has a bunch of um, green products uh, there as well. So I am a big okay. proponent of um, supporting local mm -hmm. over Amazon as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Andy and I did a episode a while ago on, on CBD oils and we were comparing uh, like the well-known brands that you buy from websites to the Amazon ones. And the Amazon ones make the, these bold claims. They say it's these, this extremely high dosage, uh, says it's very effective. You look at the reviews, the reviews are even good. But when you look closely at the ingredients label, they tweak the wording just a hair to where it's mm. a completely different product to what you're you're buying from the actual uh, like the actual manufacturers. So yeah, it can be very deceiving to buy on Amazon and even the reviews like just because it has five star reviews doesn't mean it's a good product because a lot, a lot of products you buy from Amazon. I don't know if you've experienced this, but they'll send you a little a card with the product that if you rate their product a five star, they'll activate a $10 Amazon gift card for you. So they're basically just like paying for good reviews. Uh -huh. So um, yeah, five star is not probably something even you should go buy, like look for, like you said, 
is the manufacturer the one selling this product? That's a, a good indicator to go by. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I know we're kind of just like scratching the surface of, of how to create a safe, healthy home. Do you find that people you talk to, or it sounded like you did at the beginning, kind of get overwhelmed with, with all of this and, and what you should be watching for? Uh, yes. Overwhelm is probably <laughs> one of the top complaints. And it's, I think we've all been there. Once you start to learn about a topic, it's kind of like if you're looking at a, uh, a new car and then all of a sudden you see that car on the road everywhere. It's a little <laughs> right. bit the same with this. And then you start seeing headlines and social posts and blog posts and all these things that can end up just cluttering your mind because then you don't actually know where to go next. And so that's what I focus on a lot in my client programs and in the content that I put out is helping to organize that and structure it in a way that works for you. And I think the first step that most people miss is actually understanding what you're trying to do in the first place, hmm. right? Because yeah. if your goal is to switch to a uh, healthier cleaning product, then great. All you need to do is look at cleaning products. But if your goal is actually to reduce your body's toxic load, to reduce your risk of illness related to environmental chemicals, if it's to support a healthy pregnancy or baby or whatever, then the action plan is going to look very different depending on what you're trying to achieve. And it's not just right. looking like we we talked a lot about um, products and indoor air quality. That was the focus of this conversation. But, you know, it's looking at your what you're breathing in, what you're putting on your skin and what you're eating and kind of breaking it down into each of those exposure pathways based on what you are doing in your home. Right. What's going to work for me isn't necessarily going to work for you nor will it necessarily be where you should start. Like I already have a water filter. I already eat organic uh, in certain ways. Like mm -hmm. I'm already doing certain things. So my next step isn't necessarily going to be yours. So I think it's really important That's good. to recognize where you're at and where you can get some small wins so that you can have, it's kind of like a snowball effect, right? You right. start to get some wins. You start to see, okay, this is doable. And then you can keep building, keep building. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, one small step at a time. I think I think with anything, that's kind of, you know, how you create lasting change is one little step at a time. Um, like for those who maybe are worried of the exposure that they've had, maybe they have used, you know, uh, pledge their their whole life or whatever. I mean, is there a way to kind of undo the damage? I mean, like, what does that look like moving forward if if you've already been kind of using? A lot of these things that maybe aren't the best for your health. So the best thing that you can do is just to stop doing it. <laughs> um, so, right. you know, a lot of people want a detox shake or a <laughs> pill or something, right? right it's right. The, the magic pill solution. And that just isn't going to work. So the the reason that environmental toxins are contributing to illness is because we're exposed to too much for our bodies to handle. And so the best thing you can do is to work on your detoxification of these chemicals. Some of them are easily removed from the body. Others like fat soluble or environmentally persistent chemicals aren't going to leave very easily or readily. So reducing as much as you can is going to help your body not be overburdened in general and help reduce the risk of developing chronic illness. So there's um, Dr. Walter Crinian is kind of like the one of the original environmental environmental medicine experts. He's uh, he passed away, but he was a naturopathic um, doctor, and his five-step detoxification process was avoidance, 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 <laughs> detoxification, and supplementation. I forget okay. the number of the last two, but the yeah. first three was avoidance, avoidance. Because if, you, again, going back to what we said about like air purifiers, if you don't fix what's going into your body in the first place, then you can't make the remo removal processes, the detoxification um, processes 
work most efficiently. So, you know, all is not lost just because you've been using products for however long um, doesn't mean you can't start making changes now. And the sooner you do, the better position you'll be in to um, help reduce your body burden. And then you can work on, I think most of us can probably work on liver support and have our detoxification systems be working better because our lifestyles are not well designed for um, optimizing that health too. Right. Um, so it's kind of a yeah, outside and inside approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks, Emma, very much. Like I know I, I learned a lot and I have a lot of, I, I really just want to go throw everything out in my, <laughs> under my sink away and buy <laughs> brand new stuff. Cause I am not using any high quality things. Um, and I know we just, again, scratched the surface on indoor air quality on cleaning products. So I, where can people go to learn more about, about you, about the things you talk about and share? My website is greenathome.ca. It's .ca, but I have information for Americans too. (laughs) Um, And I've got uh, the links to my blog on there. I have a bunch of guides and resources on the website too. I hang out a lot on Instagram at Emma underscore green at home and my Facebook group, the Green Product Forum. Awesome. Yeah. And go check out her podcast, the, the Missing Pillar of Health, right? Yes. So it's called. Yeah, it um, it's really good. It's uh, it's very clear, concise to the point, very informative. I think if, if you guys like this podcast, you'll really like her podcast. Super informative. So check it out. Thank you again for for everything. This has been awesome. Um, we'll link everything that you do in the show notes. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, guys. All right. Yeah, thanks. Have a great week. You too. That was great. I mean, I I've been a lot more conscious of of trying to clean up the or specifically the air and the water of our home. Like we we just bought a home back in March. Like before I was in an apartment, I feel like I didn't have much control over over things in the environment. Now having a home, I like I really can kind of I don't know, have more control over over what goes in and out of my home. So I've been really conscious of like the air quality and water quality, but uh, I opened up my mind more on like the products we use, like the cleaning products. I know like I use, you know, your name brand stuff like Windex and Pledge and whatever, all that stuff. That's probably terrible for you. So I'm interested interested in checking out some of the brands she mentioned. I think she said Branch Basics was a good all-purpose cleaner, so I'm gonna. Yeah, I think that's an American one too, so we should be able to get it here. Yeah, and Doctor Doctor Bronner's. So I'm gonna see if I can get some of that at. Um, we we typically shop at Meyer, so yeah, it was good. It was it was insightful. Yeah, I think it. I think this is really important. And she said a few things that just struck me. You know, we focus so much on at least here. We talk nutrition a ton and exercise and. Uh, mindset and and breathing but those other things that we use those body care products the the cleaners our air quality in here is so impactful for our Mm -hmm. overall health and it i feel like it's something that almost gets pushed on the back burner for most people because like you know they think yeah you know i probably should be using something cleaner but eh, you know it's cheaper it's more convenient to use right you know the the name brand product so yeah i think i need to go through and look under my sink and make sure that i'm not using i mean we've tried to get clean products but i think she mentioned seventh generation which i know we use for a period of time i don't know if we're still using it but there's so many brands out there that claim to be clean like Mm -hmm. target's method brand yep i believe something recently came out about them basically saying that it's not near as clean as they oh, really? make it out to be. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but we, we use so, some of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of stuff like that under our sink that we use that. Yeah. It's not as good as we think. And then, man, yeah, getting into, we didn't even get into body care products with her. She, I know she does a ton mm-hmm. with body care products. So I need to look at that as well. Yeah. Um, but she mentioned about how like sometimes these products don't, seem to work as well and it's not necessarily they're not doing it their job we're just not used to the to the outcome that they provide so i think there really is like a and that's that's honestly why i i hadn't or i 
I've tried like uh, some certain things, but I'm like, oh, this doesn't clean my clothes or this doesn't clean the counter good enough. There's, I think there's like this transition period, like similar with antiperspirants, like we talked about how there is a transition period when going from a, a, a normal antiperspirant to natural deodorant. Like it, you're, it doesn't have the same result that you think it should have. So you just stop using it, but there's this transition period to how something should actually work. So I think it, the same thing applies for your dish detergent or your, your table cleaner or window cleaner. It's not going to look the same or smell the same as your Windex is, but it's still doing its job and you just have to kind of get used to the, the new normal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then like we had talked about, just the cost benefit too. If these things are going to, yep. um, you know, disrupt hormones, that's something that she talked, she just put it on an ep episode on that, I believe. Think for like uh, pregnant women. And, you know, if these things are going to cause some long-term damage and some chronic illness, then, okay, it's worth the extra time it's going to take me to adapt to the new cleaner product. So, right. yeah, I'm going to have to do an audit of everything. And, <laughs> and it's, it's another area that I'm going to have to get more informed in. You know, yeah, yeah. We've gotten used to, like she said, it takes time to, to adapt. We've gotten used to reading nutrition labels. Mm -hmm. It's overwhelming at first, but once you start learning, you get used to it, you get better at it. So I think we're going to have to apply the same thing to, you know, other products that we use. Yeah. It's not something that you just change overnight. Like you don't just throw everything away and then buy brand new stuff and just automatically you're, you're living this clean life. It takes, it takes years. Like with us in nutrition, it, it's taken years to, to get from your average person's diet to where we are today it didn't happen overnight. Like you, you learn new things every day. You learn how to read labels better and you just become more informed and you, and you get better at buying what's actually good for you. So yeah, it, it takes time. And I think, um, yeah, I'm going to start being more conscious of what I buy and uh, try to read up on how it's impacting us. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're interested in learning more about this, like I said, go to her website. She has a ton of resources, guides, like how to read labels, a lot of good stuff and her podcast is good very informative easy to understand um, definitely recommend so go check it out and yeah become more informed stay healthy <laughs>